Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. I've been talking about this story for the last couple of weeks, and I've told it incessantly on the radio because, and on the podcast because I think it's a very, very valuable story and something that we can all learn from. And the author of the four books that are coming out this fall, three of them she has in her hot little hand now, and the fourth, <laughs> the fourth one is coming, and it will be a box set uh, available for you for Christmas, and and it is um, it's quite the story behind the books that we're going to get into. If you didn't listen to the previous podcast or the radio show, actually, and uh, but I want to introduce uh, Sonia Palak, Palak, right? Yes, Palak, thank you. Yes, indeed. And uh, she is an author. She is also an orthodontist. And she works with people to fix their face and their and stuff. But she's also <laughs> she's also got a really incredible story. I was talking earlier today to uh, a musical group called Sisters J. And um, they were saying, because I, I, she wrote songs at 16 years old that were well beyond her years that were really impactful. And I said, how did you do that? She said, I don't know. It just came to me. And and so I told them your story. And they they thought that that was pretty remarkable as well, which I do as well, because I your story came from somewhere else. And it was it was by design. And it was because we need stories like this and the, to be out there and uh, you did you you've done you've done a great thing so tell us a little bit about your story for those of you for, for those of our audience that weren't available for the podcast you can always go to positivetalkradio.net and you can listen to that show as well but tell us your story my story really started i mean my story everybody has a story right kevin that goes back to the beginning and uh yep. Story where the book started. Let's let's start there. Is is sort of when I woke yes. up. I was lying in bed at four a.m. and a man's voice said into my ear, "It's time to write." And it was outside of my consciousness. It was not a thought in my head. It was as if someone leaned in and spoke it into my ear. And I jumped out of bed, and I looked around to see if someone was in the house, and there wasn't. And I texted my therapist. I picked up my phone and I very clearly remember saying, I think I have schizophrenia because I heard a voice outside of my head. And the text came back. What did they say? And I wrote, they said, it's time to write. And she wrote back, then go write. And I went to the chair, a chair in my living room. I grabbed a journal off the shelf. I had a pen there. I lit a candle. I said a prayer that it be for something good because I realized at that moment that what I had just experienced was something so singular and so unique. It was something incredible was about to happen. And I didn't know what it was. I wasn't, it wasn't exactly fear. I was very unsettled. I had a very nervous tummy to sit there and, and think what is going to come out, but I did not have a thought in my head. Like nothing was coming to me. And I just thought this, I don't know what this will even amount to anything. And I just held the pen there and it said, it just wrote, like I heard the words, I, I felt it through me say, leave the little light on as I wrote it, March 1st, 2020. And that was a title for a book that I had thought of, I, you know, as we all might do, I'm over 50. I mean, at some point in your life, every human being has thought, I'm going to write a book. You know, and that's our thoughts. Like we all think that, you know, and we've maybe tried and you see how hard this task might be. Uh, and, and again, I did, and I had thought of that title and nothing. And I thought in my head, so what? Like that was my thought back to, at this moment. And then it just, it just started just like the sound of the title. It was just like there was a, a an energy came through me, over me, where this voice that was inside of me just was like, Athena took the great painted stairs one step at a time. And I thought, my very first thought was, wow, Athena, what a pretty name. Who knew, like, 
and and then it just continued it flowed out like so easily so masterfully where I was just sort of taken by this scene of this little girl going down the stairs and then I could see the doorway and then I realized this is me this was me when I was three this is my childhood home I can see it all happening and I'm going to get my dad I know what happens here this is when he burns me with the cigarette inadvertently but he backs into me with it and then says to me you know what are you doing there anyway you're not supposed to I was sent out to get him you know you're fine. Don't cry. Brush it off. And I realized that I kept writing and writing until the writing just stopped. And it was roughly an hour. It was right around 5 a.m. and I was done. It just stopped. And I had come to a conclusion of this story, this little chapter. And I thought, okay, I shut it. I had to go to work. I had patience to see. I have a long drive to get to work. And I thought, okay, let's just wrap that up. And I'm out. And, uh, I went to work. I didn't think of it all day. I didn't share it with anybody. I thought that was strange, but I didn't really think much of it. I'm very busy at work and, and taken by what I'm doing. And so when I got home, I, I really didn't think of it again until 4 a.m. the next day when my eyes opened. Like I just, it was like a bell went off, like my eyes opened at 4 a.m. And the voice was sort of in me, like the book had been, it's time to write. And I was sort of like, I don't even remember what I wrote. Like, how am I, what am I going to write next? What comes next? I don't know. I didn't even remember what I really wrote. I wrote about that scene, but I don't really remember. And I went to the chair. I got the book. I did the exact same thing. I lit the candle. I said a prayer. And I held the pen there. And I kind of looked at, like, I thought, oh, that was quite a bit of writing. Like, I did. I, I don't really know remember writing all of that but it was quite a bit of writing and I and I just held the pen there and and it just picked up where it left off it it's almost like I just had to read the last sentence of the the chapter prior and it would just pick up and away it went and it just went line by line by line endlessly until 5 a.m like it just I I wasn't allowed like in my mind I realized these things came about I wasn't allowed to change it I didn't like a lot of the things that were being put down at the early part of that first book. It was about my very young childhood. It's based on my life, but it reads like a fiction. And I thought, I don't want anyone to read this story. I'm not have anybody read this about me, anything that had to do with me, even remotely. And um, I had a lot of resistance to writing that. And I thought, I would think, I don't want to write that. I'm not going to try it. Like, it's almost like I try to scratch it out, but it's almost like there'd be a voice like, no. And I, just kind of stop and then I think well I'm going to write something different and nothing would come there'd be no words it would just be like a blank mind and then I would say or I think I I'm going to write let's jump ahead let's let's hurry this up you know I just want to write something quicker get through this and it wouldn't it would just go away and then I would just go back to the writing and keep writing about Athena and this journey that she's on you know so it the first book goes from when she's three till she's 18. The second one, which is this one, is from 18 to 24. And the third one, which I have here, is from 24 to 46. And these books, um, the, the final one goes from 46 to 50. So the, the entire series follows this journey until Athena turns 50. And in it, we follow her life through the present tense, through, the, through her experiences in life. And the first book is about trauma. It's about what lays the basis for our lives. We all have trauma and we all have the stories that we fill in and the stories that are being told to us from where we're from. So our society at large and then our local society, our schools, and sort of what are the stories that are being filtered into us and also what are the stories that are coming out of us. And if you marry these two, this is the basis for the decision-making in our life. This is what's gonna take us wherever we're gonna go, whether it's to a great place or to a terrible place, these are the things that are gonna unite and make us who we are and and really dictate like how we behave in a lot of ways. And um, I think that as a society, when we look at where we are in the world and 
how much hurting there is, how much suffering there is. We really, each of us have to pause and say, how did, how did we get here? And where am I? Because if I am not peace, if this world is not at peace and I want peace, then I have to be peace. And before those books got written, before I got that message, I was not peace most of my life. I, it was not until I became peace and searched for that inside of me. And I just thought, how do I tell people how this works? Like, how do I tell people how I fell into what's this peace and love? And find that in yourself. It's there. It's living there. And you can get there. And really what it is, it's a Hansel and Gretel trail of her life. And somewhere along the line, it just strikes a chord with people. The more people that have read it and are texting me and telling me about it. This is, this was my life. This is what I did. I felt this, this scene really triggered me. This really made me feel this. I understand where it came from. It's like, we have to know where it came from in order to heal it. So we got to feel it to heal it. Well, a couple things. First of all, I don't blame you for not telling people when you went to work that day that I got a man's voice in my head that and, uh, he told me to start writing. Um, and I don't blame you for that. How long was it before you started mentioning it to people that you were having this moment in time when you were writing? Was it a month or two or three? Or It was a while because COVID hit right away. Oh, yeah. See, and I wanted to mention that too was that the fact that you don't, by chance, think that um, you were getting the message on March 1st of 2020 to start writing at the same time that COVID was starting to whip around the world and was and everything, everybody was scared and things were shutting down. You don't think that was a coincidence to you. They, they gave you that opportunity. Yeah, I think they did give me that opportunity. And I also really and truly believe that if it hadn't been like a shutdown, I may never have gotten to write the books. Simply not because of time, because I could only write from 4 a.m. till 5 a.m. That is the only time that the writing came. It came at 4 a.m. and it stopped at 5 a.m. And it was no other time during the day. So even though I was off all day long and I could have slept in all morning, eyes open at 4 a.m., go to the chair, go do the writing. The issue for me was that for like the entire month of May, I had so much resistance to writing the first book. There was so, it was like when the writing would come out and I would write the scenes, it, I was there. I was Athena. It was like I was living it again. I could feel it. I could see everything. I had to go through it and live it. And there were parts of these experiences that were so painful to me that I simply was unwilling to do it. I just, I was, I had my own shame, my own guilt. I had to work through all of these childhood feelings in order to put them on a page. And for the entire month of May, I resisted it. I just would refuse to do it. I was in a bathrobe, walking around my house, yelling at God, just because if I didn't sit down and do the writing, the words just piled up like a like an explosion of words in my head. Like it was just like a relentless voice that was just like hammering on me. And I would just uncork some wine at 10 a.m. And wander around, walk my dog 10 times during the day, having this argument. And this went on for weeks until two, two important things happened. One was that I developed eczema. So I had this eczema that started on my neck. And as I refused to do the writing and my whole head was exploding, this eczema spread up over my eyes until my eyes swelled shut. It was oh as if I was wearing a mask from the bottom of my neck around my eyes. And I realized that this was something that was being done to me, like because I wouldn't do the writing because I was resisting what I was supposed to be doing. And I just had so much anxiety about it, about anybody reading it. The, the pain and the shame of those moments just to me were like, I don't want anyone to read this. And I had this vision one day laying in bed that I saw the book. I saw the first book. I saw this cover and I saw myself open it 
I saw the title and I saw the dedication. And the dedication says, one person's truth is another person's fiction. Truth implies an entirety that cannot be told here. It has to be lived. This is not my truth. It is my story for me. And when I saw the for me, because I thought I'm writing this for me, God is asking me to write this and it's for me. And I thought, so I'm supposed to sit down and do this writing. And what is my truth? Because I was so worried. What about everyone else? What would they say if they read this? My sisters, my family, my, my friends. Uh, and I thought, it just doesn't matter because this step is for me to heal further and to help others heal, which I understood, but much later in the writing, like more than halfway through the writing, I understood the bigger picture of what this these books deliver. But in understanding that a story is the entire situation here on this planet, it's the story that we're told when we're little, like you shouldn't have been standing there. Don't cry. It doesn't hurt. Okay, when something burns you and it hurts, you have been told a story because your truth is that that cigarette burned me and it hurt. But there's a story being told to you and now you're going to tell yourself another story about it. Like, did he mean to do that? Or is he sorry he did it? Or was I wrong to be standing there? How could I avoid that next time? Because I did something wrong and I'm not really clear on it. So you're uncertain, you're not sure if it was loving or not, if someone's sorry or not, like this happened, right? And then you go forward and say, this is society, right? When we have hurt feelings, don't cry, you're fine. This was our generation. It's like, your stuff is your stuff. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear how you're feeling. This is uncomfortable. You're making the room weird you know, like with your feelings, like it's gross. And ugh, that's for weak people. When like real men don't cry. I think that was like a commercial, like when I was little, like we were literally told those things and men my age, like yourself, this, our generation, men struggle with manhood and emotions because like if you have emotion, you're not supposed to feel deep feelings. You're not supposed to cry. It's weak. It's for the weak. And being vulnerable being, is a strength. Being able to bend, being able to feel the range of emotion and stand still in the midst of it. These are strengths. These are not weaknesses at all. And in knowing all of these things, all of these things are stories. They're just, so it's simply, we choose what stories to believe. And as we go on in life, we're going to base our choices off of what we believe. And these are our belief systems. And all of these stories accumulate in us and some get sort of pushed aside. We have no need to confront that story that we told ourselves, even though it was harmful to us that like, I'm always in the wrong place. I'm always doing something wrong. Like I'm, I'm an idiot. And we just go with that. And that's our default. That's been programmed in at ground level zero. And now we're just going to default to that when stuff doesn't work out. Well, it's because I'm an idiot. I, I'm always in the wrong place. I don't know. I just things don't work out. And that's just a story you believe. That's just something someone told you. That's not true. And that's even a lot of times that is something that uh, we will use self-deprecating behavior or 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 jokes to talk about how stupid we are. Oh, that was I was I was so stupid doing that. Can you believe that I was that dumb to do that kind of thing? And we believe in ourselves because of the, nobody is saying, "Oh, no, you're not stupid." You know, they they kind of nod along with it, or they don't want to get into your nightmare or whatever. But but no, you're, you're right. It's it's. Uh, but you know, I was at a conference one time. And we spent two days. Two full days talking about everybody's trauma, everybody's uh, story, if you will. And at the end of two days, the guy looks at the entire room. There were 100 people there. And everybody had gotten up to the microphone and they said, yeah, this happened to me. And my mom was this. And I haven't talked to my brother in 10 years. And, and, that, and, that, and all these different stories. And he, got, he finally got up and said, I want to tell you something. 
All these stories, you made it all up. None of it's real. It's all stuff that you made up because that's what you thought was appropriate, but none of it's true. None of it's real. You are not what you think you are. You are much better than that. And at that point, everybody went, oh, no, I am. I'm fine. But you know, you know what I mean? Because we tell ourselves these stories that, that are not even relevant to the conversation because the people that are involved in those stories, that, you know, I've told stories to my mom about my you and my growing up that I said, you did that. My kids have done this to me. I said, you did this, you did that. And I said, no, I didn't. And it's because it was a story that they created um, in yeah. order for whatever reason. Yeah, and it's everyone's perception is different because yes. every vessel is unique. Yes. And so how I filter the world and the energy is different than anyone else. And how it filters back out through me different than anyone else. So it's different than all of my siblings and saying different for your children, different for you, even though you're living together and you're sharing this space and you're having this exchange, you're taking it one way. One's taking it another. The other one says something completely different. It's like, were you even in the same room? You know, you won't come to a consensus of how that went down. It's going to be different. But what we do know is that we do do that. We do fill in the blanks and what you get to see with these books is the way that Athena fills the blanks in and filters information. And you can see her, it's sort of like, oh, this is how it works, decision-making. This is how the process works. And you can see that in this situation, Athena is very resilient. She, like you root for her because she goes for love every time. She, there's, she has an innate understanding of love as a greater picture. As she has a connection to the divine, to space, there's a place of peace that she can go to in herself to disconnect from her physical so that when she's in pain or having issues at home, um, she can be feeling safe and well. And she knows that where she's at, this isn't what's happening in her home life. And so this small child you see carries some divine knowledge. And... And that's the connection. Like, and we all have the ability to make this connection and to foster that connection. Some are forced to do it out of a necessity because they were traumatized and they go to a space that's helpful. You can just as easily go to a space that's dark and stay there in a place of heavy shame or guilt or fear and um, or hate or, you know, all of these emotions that will tear at us and, and dim our light. And Athena gravitates in deciding which way am I going to go, you know, because she lives like a human in these books. She's not written like a hero who's infallible, who only chooses good and does no evil. She is one that walks the line. It's like, which way am I going to go? Like trying my best, but things are pushing me this way. And I got to bring myself back. So because I believe in love, I love love. I love the feeling of love. I want peace. And that is, I believe, an overwhelming feeling that's common to us as human beings. That we want peace and we oh. love love. And so when you have a person and a character like this, the ability to connect to a character like Athena who loves love is one that we root for because it speaks to our inner little person, our child who wants love, who desires love and always wanted to be loved and accepted. And as an adult, we blanketed it with, it's okay because you're stupid, somebody will love you. like you're good enough, like you're enough but it's not, we're not enough. We're everything. Every human being is so incredibly important and special to the collective. There is no such thing as a person that's just enough. It just you know, it's it, what's interesting the way that you're talking and the way that the book is and talking about love. We come from a place that is nothing but love. There is no hate. There is no division. There is no fear. It's all we are all together and it's all love. We come here 
And it's a very different scenario because there is love is kind of one of those things that people guard and protect. They don't give out freely. And so they end up, um, you end up feeling less than or not loved. And so you spend your whole life trying as best we can, and none of us perfect, to find love again, to get to that place where we can have uh, unconditional love from other people. And a lot of times it doesn't work out very well because for whatever reason. Um, so it makes it, it, it's, but it's inspiring to, to walk through this story. And it's all in chronological order. And it's to walk through this story of what it's like from when she was 18 to 19 to 20, she was just figuring out life and then 30 and then 35 and then 40. And, and she's now getting, I think she's got it together and then something happens and it's not together anymore. And, and, but oh, that's, that's how life works. <laughs> huh? No, it's not together. It's terribly not together. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And that's really what is a life. You know, yeah. we all can look at our lives and oftentimes think to ourselves, like, how does that story end? You know, because I, for one, would always think like, this can't be how my story ends because I just, I love love too much. It just can't end poorly. Like, you know, there has to be an end where there's love. And that part of being loving when you, if someone had asked me and we had talked about this, Kevin, is if someone said to me, well, do you love yourself? I up and down would have swore a hundred percent. I do. Of course I do. I absolutely love myself. I would insist on it that yes, I do. But the reality is, is that I would berate myself horribly if I did anything wrong. I was an, you know, an insane perfectionist who just had to have tried to have control over things so that I could reduce the uncertainty in my life and sort of, you know, try to collaborate so that with people to work with me on this, keep the environment steady so that it's like less fear. However, you know, there is no control like that in life and trying to manipulate things and trying to control things isn't being loving to yourself. It's not experiencing the flow of the energy that we are. These are just things and events that we do and things that we acquire and they hold no importance when you hold them against a human being and a human heart, our emotions and what we are capable of experiencing in these bodies is absolutely miraculous. And it is for us to learn of love because societies warp that word. It is not based on all of the conditions that were applied to us growing up. It is, as you said, unconditional. There's unconditional love is a redundancy. Love is unconditional and it cannot be anything else or is it, it is not love. So in the way that I would insist I was loving on myself, yes, of course, but if I were then made a mistake and I were mean and crazy to me, I'm not loving, okay? I don't actually love myself because I don't accept myself if something goes wrong. It's only when things are going well to the way that I, to the degree that I can measure it, that I can assess it, that I could change it, that I could fix it. Those are the ways that I interact with people because I'm emotionally distant, because I have trauma and I can't, I cannot be vulnerable. I'm not going to share my true self. I feel fraudulent. Lots of times I'm pretending. I don't know who I am. I feel my spirit is outside of my body or I'm disconnected from me. I don't know how, like I'm a witness of things are going on and I feel like I don't even know I'm floating above watching the whole thing thinking this is circus. Like I don't know. And then just happy to just give the conditioned responses. This is what you want to hear. I'm going to be the person you expect me to be and who you think I should be so that you will accept me and then tell you right to your face. Of course, I love myself. Yes, of course I do. Like, it's like, I'm completely out of the realm of what is loving. And the point of the books is to show people how far away she gets before she can come back to where love lives. And that's inside each of us is like, you are never going to find what you're looking for when you're looking in the wrong place. It's just not there. What is that song looking for love and all the wrong places yeah. or whatever it is? It, it uh, yeah. And we, we spend our lives doing that. Yeah. 
we also spend our lives looking at the experiences that we have. And I didn't learn this until I amassed a number of them that I could then start to compare um, the good experiences from the bad experiences and and the labels that I put on them. Like this, oh, this was a good experience. I like more of that. That was bad. That was, but many times, a bad experience leads to a good experience. It's part of what. It's part of the the tapestry of life that we all go through as we get to go through this whole process. And at least for for me, it's like I don't. So I don't have any bad experiences anymore. Right. I have experiences that. What is this experience? Why did this get presented to me and how can I learn from it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, every experience is just that. It's an experience. It is what it is. Exactly. We prefer, some we don't prefer. But if we don't learn from them, they will keep presenting to us, you know, like this is the, the point of it all is for us to learn and grow. And we will learn and grow from every experience whether we understand that we are learning and growing or not, you have to take that next step. And something is going to get positioned for you to, to move to one side or the other or to go over it. or to, You have to somehow get around these obstacles that are placed in your path. And I think that what people sometimes do is, well, one, a lot of us will numb as I'm not going to feel it. I'm not right. going to feel it. I'm just going to kill that feeling however which way I can. You can't run away from it because you go, it goes with you. So right. you're, you're really like, it's chasing you. And so that extra busy, like the high, high performing overachiever, that's just someone trying to stay ahead of it. Like we just go, go, go. So like you can't catch me, but eventually you're going to slow down enough in life. It's just going to slow you down until it bumps into you and it rolls over you. Because it's been coming so hard and fast trying to catch you. <laughs> like, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and that's where we find ourselves at, the, at this stage of the game. It's just that every sorrow that we've experienced, because we're in a relative world, and I'm from a science background, so I have a lot of science in me, like where it's like, and I grew up with religion, so I was always like, these two have to get married. These two can't just be two separate. If everything is built to to make sense, these two things marry, they, they have to meet up. And they really do, because in science, um, you know, everything is relative. There is no good without bad. There's no hot or without cold. There's these two things only exist because they're relative to one another. And so there's experiences we prefer, experiences we don't. That's the norm that that has to go hand in hand. So what does the human heart when it experiences sorrow? What is happening is it's expanding because in my mind, I see it like it's creating the the heart is like the chalice for joy and the sorrow that's expanding our heart. Like when we feel it so much and it's so wide open, so vulnerable is so that it can receive love and joy. And so for me, I'm, I'm just so much a believer in my generation because we suffered at the hands of parents, teachers, friends, like bullies on the schoolyard, uh, you know, spouses, like you're, you're, you're making choices that you're staying with people that are all like affected in the same way. And it's really like what we grew up in the dog eat dog world. It's a, it's an unfair world. You just have to learn to accept it, which means you carry sorrow, which means over decades, we have created the largest container on earth for joy that exists, I believe, in humanity. We know what happens when some good 80s music goes on. Like We just want to have fun. And that's really what we came to do. And I, my wish and hope for, for everyone is that they find their way to inner peace so that you can experience the joy that exists that is available to you. Because if you have felt sorrow in this relative world, you are ready to receive joy. And it's yours for the taking. There is nothing standing in your way. You simply have to remember who you are and come back center into your being, become peace and live life out like a dance party. <laughs> and and invite Cindy Lauper. Yes. She'll, she'll yes. 
Yes, is an anthem. Like her song is an anthem of wisdom. When I listen to that song now, I think if you think of girls just want to have fun as the divine feminine, which is spoken about a lot right now, that we just want to have fun is that the the divine masculine is one of not the feminine balances with fun. And right now we've had a swing this way and we are about to swing to the divine feminine, which is fun. And that's where it's like this start up of divine feminine energy coming up to say, hey, lighten up on this planet, lighten up people on each other. This is too much, too much anger, too much negativity. This is not fun. This is getting boring already. All this dissension, all this hate, all this anger, all this fighting. This has to stop so that we can actually enjoy existing. Well, and that I believe is one of the reasons why you, why your book was written. And I I would say you're the author. And I would say, actually, you're the co-author because it came, it came to you directly um, and it came for a reason. um, And the reason was now we are living in uh, the next year, year and a half are going to be in the United States are going to be the most bizarre um, year and a half that we've had in our history. And I hope that we come out of it feeling better about it, each other and come together as one. That's the only way that we're going to make it through. And your book and books like your book. And pe- because I got the feeling, Sonia, I got the feeling there's somebody who is listening to us saying, you know, I had the same experience, only I just rolled over and went to sleep. And I, and I feel crazy because this book is in my head and I can't seem to want to get it out. And it wants to come out because people, because our guys on the other side and the universe, it is trying to help us to get this information out so that we can live our lives um, to the best that they can be. I wanted to ask you, why do you think it is that so many of us don't believe that we can live our best life? Well, because I think that what's demonstrated in front of us is like, is believed to be the reality, sort of like this happens and this is what happens. So that's what is. And the conclusion from that is like, when things get messed up, right, we think about things as becoming broken or damaged, that we need to be fixed. A big one being the princess tale that we need to be saved, that we're somehow like not whole. And so things happen and it, and it detracts from us. That's not true. <coughs> Sorry, we are love. And that energy, again, in science, energy can't be created or destroyed. It simply exists and that is what we are. So the energy of love is all of creation. It just simply morphs into different forms. And in this realm, we have the opportunity to experience all of it. It's not selective. And so you, you cannot be broken. You cannot be diminished. You cannot be less than when you arrived on this planet. You are constant our bodies are going through a constant change this is just a physical form it is no kidding and nothing here is lasting nothing is forever here because this is just a a game this is just an in and out we're going to fly in we're going to experience it all and then we're going to zip out of here and in knowing that to me death is one to lean back into it's like death is is a safe bet we're going to die. I'll bet on that one hundred times over. I'm going to win on this bet. We're all going to die. Except what between the time that we arrive and the time that we leave, that's just, again, like the story is that saying, I can't overcome this. I can't get past this. The same way that you say, I hope that it works out. In my mind, as I sat there listening to that, I thought it's going to work out. You know why all is well at all times, no matter what is going on in our world around us, all is well because it is because we, we are, and it is. And so all is well, because I, I know that, and it cannot be any other way 
it is all of it. And so without judgment, it will be whatever it is. So it will be well, no matter what. And when I know that I can come from a space of, of feeling safe and well, with my next step I take, with the next choice I make, with the certainty that, that I am love and all is well, as are you, I don't have fear because I have love and I'll carry love with me and not fear. And fear is the sense that this all is real and this is what matters and the judgment is the final word and that's what counts instead of what's simply in your heart. The judgment, the sin, the the negativity, the these guys aren't doing it my way so it can't be right and and all of those things we've got to get past that and you know i love by the way i gotta ask you because you were talking very much like people that i've known uh over the last 20 years that are extraordinary people like neil donald walsh and gary zukov and and there, there are many others that i've interviewed that are saying the same things that you are saying. Have you believed this for a long time? Is this an epiphany? Is this part of who you are? Is this part of the book process that you wrote? Is it is it all combined to that? Because you're now, I sense, a different human being than you were 10, 15 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I'm different. I think that I, it's it's all of it. I mean, I think that I, came to the planet with some understanding of love, like some deep connection feeling to love, to connection to that. Um, I think through all of my life experiences that I gained some greater understandings, but that in going through tons of trauma and having everything sort of burned down and having to always making the choice to step forward, to just take another step, to just be, to continue because we're going to continue after this plane. And so we're just going to walk through it. It's like, again, if there's buffalo hate the rain. So when the storm comes, they turn and run straight into it because the fastest way is through it. And so just walk through it, right? Winston Churchill said, if you're in hell, just keep going. (laughs) You know, you don't stop there. And I would think that sometimes like, don't stop here. Like this doesn't feel good. Like just keep going. Um, I didn't know buffalo were that smart. Yeah, when I was 50. I would say is when the book came to its culmination is sort of when I had epiphanies that brought me to, I want to say a plane of higher consciousness. And that is the commonality between the words that I'm speaking and others, because what I'm speaking is a universal truth. And I've seen it and I've felt it and I've heard it and I've experienced it in my heart. And it is, what is in everyone you simply need to access this it is in you it is what we are and where we're going and and it's love i don't you can give it any kind of name you want but it is love to me and and that is our birthright like we come without knowledge of it so the game is we're going to forget that we're this. We're going to get confused by everything we see and all these pitches that are telling us, no, you're less. No, you're not good for these reasons. Yeah, we don't like you because of this. And, and you're going to grab and grasp at straws like, which is, this doesn't feel good, but I don't know. I'll take that. But like, ooh, I was like, how do I get rid of that? And how do I work myself to be better so I'm not this? And you're going to use all those values in ways that you're judged. And you're going to get good at it. You're going to get good at judging others the same way you're judging on yourself. And then you're going to come to some place again where over and over what repeats is the feeling of loneliness, I think, inside of us. Because the more judgment we use, the more fear we create. Because we instinctively know inside we are one. There's something that lingers in us. The little light in us, that's the leave the little light on. That's that little light. It connects us. That's our light. When this vessel opens up and the light goes out into the room, it's everywhere. And everyone's light together is inseparable. We're one, but we're parceled into these bodies. And now we're sort of in the dark and we have fear because we know that if if I judge you, 
you're going to judge me. And now I'm not like, am I, am I enough? Because that's that whole system. That's how it works. And that's how certain people control others. That's what makes you buy something. That's what makes you not speak up or stand up for others and let atrocities happen. Whole populations just standing closed and lipped, like because we're so afraid, we're just glad it's not us. And it starts like there's a bully on the playground. You're just glad it's not you, but you have fear. When when people suffered, you know, discriminations and things around us in the 70s and 80s, which they did clearly, it was on TV, it was it was in the news, like it was right in your face. Okay, it was everywhere, everywhere, racism, sexism, classism, everywhere, all the time. It still is, really, but but really, like socially acceptable norms in the 70s and 80s, like. <laughs> you were not, it was not just the marginalized group that was suffered. It's every one of us because we are one and we would all suffer this fear of separation. And Athena in the books suffered watching all these things and it creates that fear and judgment, which begets more fear and judgment until we feel very lonely because we know somehow that we're separated. So we yearn for connection. We have a longing, even when we're married and we have our children, there is a nagging longing that we can't put our finger on. It's what a midlife crisis is about. It because that higher consciousness is tap, tap, tapping on you. Remember me? Remember me? Where are you? I want your attention. And it just builds. And, and, to go into it involves facing those fears from childhood. Those are the hardest ones. This book, the hardest one to write, was about a small child. And there is that small child in each of us that when you open it up and go on the ride with Athena, you can hold her hand. She will show you what she felt. You will feel what she felt. It's like a guide. This is, it's like the journey to the center of the earth, but to your human heart. Like go with her on it through this book series. And you're going to find that you held the key the whole time. Where you were searching, what you were longing for was your own mind's attention on you. All along, it was right there. And you will unlock this knowing that you carry of what you really are and you are love and and there is no fear it just it just gets rid of the fear and the anxiety it just it is peace it is acceptance it is kindness it is compassion and it is it is our right as humans to feel it and things and people who know these things and do things on purpose to fear monger, to make people afraid, to hurt others, to continually push people into the dark are only hurting themselves. We are one. And so when one suffers, we all suffer. We can't not. It's just understanding this to love others, be love, love you, love yourself and you change the world. And so all is well. So when are you starting your speaking tour? <laughs> right now. Isn't this it? <laughs> <laughs> this is, this, this is really, you're on it, baby. Yeah, this is really good stuff uh, because it's, it is so true. And I've talked to, oh, I don't know. I, I added it up recently and I've done like 2,000 interviews. And anybody that talks about uh, life in a bigger sense rather than got to get up today. I'm going to go pee. I'm going to go poop. I'm going to work. I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat. And I'm going to pee to bed and go pee and go, you know, that when we start talking about the realities of what life is here for and what we're here about, everybody has the same ideas. They haven't read the same books. They haven't been in the same seminars, but they all come away. Everybody that I talk to, comes away with the same attitude, which is um, even even the gospel according to John Lennon, all you need is love, um, is a, it's an important 
aspect of who we are. And so it's, you're not saying anything that isn't new, but it's very real what you're, what you're saying. And the books give people an idea and a step-by-step walking through of everything that, that you go through in life um, and you get to the other side. Yes, and I, I think that's the importance of it, is the book series doesn't come from a healed space and try and tell you, heal yourself, you know, do this. It comes from trauma. It comes from fear. It comes from judgment, from longing, from loneliness, from attempts and failures. It comes from the experience. And we're all walking that path at different times points in the in the journey we're all along the whole you know continuum of life at all these points and so somewhere along this line you're going to pick up that book and you're going to say here's where i'm at and and now you can see where it's going it's like because there's a way out it's almost like a little roadmap of how to find your way to that salvation to that freedom and to live yourself, yes, from this fear that's always on us. It's like, and I just don't have it. And I I didn't live my life like this. I was not this person. But these this made me different, you know, these these books. And I hope, like I say, Kevin, I hope the whole world reads them because um it's it's important. It's it's obviously it's important. And, and the more, you know, 20 years ago, Neil Donald Walsh wrote, wrote Conversations with God. Um, Gary Zukav wrote uh, Seed of the Soul. And there are so many others, you know, Wayne Dyer. And they've, this is just one more opportunity to say what they said, but in a different way. And yeah. everybody can find their own way to, to understand and be attracted to, oh, this I get. I didn't get that, but this I understand, this I get. It's just another way that I believe the universe is is saying, okay, well, we tried that. Now, so let's try this. Yeah. Let's, let's package it this way and see if our marketing department can get more people to do it. Then. Does that make sense? Yes, because and I will admit this, like I'm a science person. I'd be like for years, like chakras, who cares? Like, what is that? Yeah, didn't even like turn off like like Western culture completely ruled. Got no time for this, and it's nonsense. Like Reiki, whatever. Like no, everything is energy. Everything is valid. Everything is an experience. And these books are a pathway. They're a guide. They're also for the masses. It is a fast gripping read. It is about a, a person, about a human being. It is not everyone relates to it. It doesn't matter. I have young, old, rich, poor, white, black. It doesn't matter. Every human being relates to Athena and is like, I felt that girl so much. Like in my soul, it was so gripping. It was so moving. I cry, you know, and I think it's because the journey along is terrifying. And to just say, hey, Kevin, go inside and dig out your deepest fears and sit with them so that you can get past them and get to you know, your golden light and your truth, like, and, and sit in glowing love for the rest of your life and have, have a grand old time here. Wouldn't that be great? This is a party. Like I've heard people say who get here. Oh, it's so lonely. It's like, I want everyone to come get over here. I want you on this side of things because this side is so fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have fun over here. So let's go. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm with you. Let's let me get so. Um, by the way, I put I've put together a um, it's called Positive Connections. Uh, it's a, it's a Facebook group, and I've got uh, I only put it together last week, and I've got thirty something members, and I would love to have you uh, come and be part of an answer a question and answer group thing with with them because ever we all need to work together. There's a lot of folks that are lonesome. And they don't have an outlet for like-minded people to talk about, you know, because there are people that years ago, when I first started this, my mother being a fundamentalist Christian, I was very guarded in what I would say about, about spirituality and, and stuff, because she was like, you're going to hell. Uh, I love you, son, but you're going to go to hell. Just, you know, now that 
she's passed, I'm more free to be able to talk in terms of, of what you're saying. And what you're saying is, in my world, absolutely correct. Um, and it is, and it is, and it makes you happy. You are, I'm also willing to bet you're a happier person than you've ever been in your life. Oh, absolutely. I'm, your daughter said as much. But it's, that's it, is like these books rewrite the princess tale. It's not true love happily ever after because sad things happen here, right? It's one love peacefully ever after. That's the way the story ends well. Peace is for everyone. Peace is not selective. One love is not selective. There is love in everything and everyone and all of this creation. You can never be alone. You are known. You are loved. You are surrounded by love. And Every, everything is just magical. And when you find that peace, you have that understanding. You are held by the universe. And, and, and so it goes. It's like how to walk through life. Yes, sad things are going to happen. And I'm going to be peace while it happens. And I'm going to feel happy. But I'm guessing I'm going to feel a little more joy because I have more opportunity to feel joy because I'm, I'm just waiting on it. <laughs> And, and you can plan on it and you can understand that it's really real. Being a scientific person like you are and were, um, it must have come as a foreign idea to you that you have spirit guides and you have people on the other side that are wor working with you and they're helping guide you and, and uh, to send you in the direction that you want to go. You know, that's one of the fundamental things that, that I'd love, love your opinion on. There, there are, <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> There are people that will say it's God's will, and this, and that God plans everything, and He knows exactly what's happening, and it's going to be that way. I think it's that's fundamentally flawed in that it's not God's will. What God's will is is your will be done, that you are um, as an as part of the collective, as part of all that is that you get the opportunity to learn and to grow and to have these experiences, not that they're mapped out for you. You get to pick and choose. And so what do you think of that idea? I agree. I mean, I think that we are God, that that love that is made of everything, that of all creation is, is one. And that I don't really believe in that there's like a God and then all of this. You know, I think that this is just the experience of us as God here. And I think that we design our journeys before we come. And then I think that we can manifest the changes here in, in how far we progress in that journey by how much we connect to source. And so I love like Joe Dispenza and, you know, guys like that, that are really science-based, like, and opening up your consciousness and your awareness to manifest. And um, I practice a lot of that. It's like, and I'm, I would say an intense manifester, you know, that I can like the books. I mean, like I would say, ask to how to show people this. And I write these four books in 15 months and the editors told me, you know, it takes five years to write a book, one book and to write four and have them brought out. I'll have these books out by the end of the year, which is three and a half years from the moment I sat down almost like till the time they come out in fully published form, having written them, edited them, painted the covers, done all the design and then sit here and do podcasts and try and say, Hey, I wrote these books. Like, you know, it's to me, it's mind blowing, but I also think I will be relentless to say it. I will be relentless to talk about it. It's it's, I have endless energy to do it right now. I just work my day job so that I can promote these books. So I can bring these books to the world because they hold such divine wisdom because they came from divine wisdom. Like they just came through me from a place that has a message and it's a technique that will hook a lot of people who can't find their way out of this dark space because they're not looking in the right spot. And it's like, but if you're looking here at your trauma, let me show you something. And I'll walk you from that moment forward and we'll go together and I'll hold your hand. Don't be afraid. And that's what Athena does for people. 
She's like the like a, she's like a little spirit guide. Hey, I just just had a thought. You know what's going to happen in three years from now, four years from now, somebody's going to come across book two in a in a used bookstore or in a library, and they're going to pick it up, and they're going to go, "Well, wait a minute, where's book one?" And then they're going to start reading book two, and they go, "No, wait a minute, I got to go back to book one." So then they're going to go find book one, and then they're going to re read what book one, and then book two, and then they've got to go on a great human search to find book three and four, um, because it's all connected. It's and that's the beautiful thing about what you're doing. It is also all connected, and yeah. it's it, it's a beautiful story. And I like to think that since my granddaughter's name is Athena, and that you and I got connected because of that. And that you're you're going to become, and I hope that you'll come back often to talk to me. I will, um, Kevin. Yes, that you can read the books in any order. You could pick up book three. Like each book reads like a full book. This book here, like book three, is is a full on book. And you and you could get into this book and know these characters because it's almost like there's a different cast in each of the books. The, the scene changes and the characters change. Now Athena is there and there's some characters that are mentioned, but you could read book three and this be a very gripping book and you could read them in any order and they would make sense. That's good to know. It's, That's good to it's know. astonishing to me, really. Like, I mean, this is a, if that were my intention and say, oh yes, I meant to do that. Like, let me do that. Yeah, who would want to do oh, that? Oh, go ahead, own it. You meant to do that. Yes, I 100% just planned it all out. It was just uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we are had to go to her website, which is Sonia Pollock, uh, P A L L E C K dot com, right? Yes. And yes, and um, Insta or Facebook, um, you can follow me there, and I'm on TikTok now. So. Ooh, tiki taki! Yeah, this, yes, I'm indeed. Well, and it's important. It's important that you get the word out to as many you know, places. You know, it was interesting. You know, I was talking with your daughter about uh, while we were waiting for you because of traffic. Yeah. And I said, so are you proud of your ma? And she said, she's happy. She's doing what she loves. And yeah, I am. And she's 18. So she has every right yeah. to do, you know. <laughs> A lot of opinions there. <laughs> <laughs> well. And the beautiful thing about being 18 is you're not bright enough to know what you don't know yet. You will figure that part out in the, in the next couple, three years or whatever. But it's important. And this, this journey that we go through life is an important journey to really understand and be part of and to enjoy. And, and really to enjoy and to love the process. Because yeah. I, I look at it and go, gee, that's interesting. Why did that happen? Um, you know, but it's a process. So follow your heart, follow your process, love life and love the people that you come into contact with. I think that's a great way to live. Absolutely. You are special, my friend. Thank you. And I hope everyone reads my books. Sonia yes, indeed. A little well, I'm going to, I'm going to step and step aside and let you tell them anything that you'd like them to know. Thank you, Kevin. First of all, thank you for having me on here multiple times to discuss the books. And you kidding me? I, I wouldn't be able to sleep if I didn't. You you, you <laughs> were getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning because they said, you start writing. Well, yeah. I was like, have her on multiple times because we need to promote the heck out of this thing. Yes. So... so my website, yes, is www.sonyapalek.com, S-O-N-I-A-P-A-L-L-E-C-K. Uh, the books are for sale on Amazon. One and two are out on Amazon.com, on Freeze and Press Bookstore. And uh, they're available at my office um, in, in Woodstock, Ontario, if you're anywhere in Ontario or London local. Uh, books three and four are on their way. Again, I've got them all here. This is book two, London show you right here and book three and uh four is next um i just want to say to everybody i love to hear from readers i love to hear feedback i get a lot of readers who go through a lot of emotional issues i'm not a therapist but i am a fan i am a fan of anyone that loves love that wants to make that journey i will give you 
I will be the cheering squad. I will give you a high five. I want you to get there. I want everyone to come on over to this side and to be well and to feel peace and to feel safe and to just see and experience this life in a magical way um, for the rest of our days. I want to do it together. So I am your biggest supporter. If you are making that journey uh, and you need these books to help you, I will do anything to put them in your hands and uh, to root for you too. So peace, peace and love. Ooh, you know who says that? No. Ringo Starr. Oh. <laughs> I usually I'm sorry. Palette, love the advocate, B1. Yeah, yes, I'm, a, I'm an old Beatles fan. So love, peace and love is what he would always say. Yeah. And uh, But you are a special person, young lady, and, uh, and I really appreciate uh, you've taken the time to talk to me. And and these books will be very, very popular. You wait. You Thank wait and see. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you'll wait right there, I will be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.